syndicate. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate Red Sox podcast to be named later. This is the syndicate's podcast dedicated solely to the Boston Red Sox and Major League Baseball. I'm Bill Travers. Thank you for joining us. Joining me again are my two cohorts, Chris Henrick. Chris, how are you? Hey, guys, ready to talk some Red Sox, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Mr. Syndicate himself, Matt DeRosha. Matt, how's What's it going? What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? I'm excited, like you said, Chris, to talk a little Red Sox today. Yeah. Baseball in general. Baseball in general, yes. So, you know, as we know, with uh, everything going on in the world, we are separated due to uh, this the uh, near shelter-in-place orders that we've been given. Um, but we still want to talk baseball, and even though the season's been delayed, doesn't mean there hasn't been any Red Sox news. So let's jump right into it. So the biggest news, that probably non-news, because we could all see it coming a, a mile away, was Chris Sale, uh, Chris Sale needing Tommy John surgery. Were mm. either of you guys surprised when this happened? No, I can't say that I was surprised. Like you said, we have seen the writing on the wall dating back all the way to the 2018 World Series. Uh, he didn't even start in the World Series. Remember, he came in out of the bullpen. Uh, it just, it's been coming. It stinks that it's finally here. Uh, but you know what? Given all the things going around, maybe it's for the best. Yeah, same thing. I'm, I'm not surprised. It's It was really just a matter of time, you know, a matter of when. You know, I'm kind of happy that, you know, luckily, you know, they're not playing right now. So, you know, the season's going to be shortened as it is. So it's really not going to impact too much this year. But you think about it, it's, what, 12 months before he's going to come back. I just wish he would have done it last year. That would have been the smart thing to do. Would have been the right thing to do. Well, they don't even know when the surgery is going to be. So, right. you know, and, and with the current state of things, who knows how long that might be till that gets, till that actually gets done. So that's going to push back his recovery even then. And oh, 12 certainly. Months, Twelve months, I think, is is best case scenario. I mean, these things they usually don't get back to full strength for two years. So I don't right. Think and Hein Bloom even said himself that he's he's optimistically. It's 12 months, but he thinks realistically it's 15. So best case scenario, he comes back all-star break of 2021? Right. Maybe no, that's a, what it would look like. Maybe in a limited role? Doing. Yeah. Chris, you mentioned uh, they should have done this sooner. Do we think that the Red Sox mismanaged this situation by taking the chance and doing the, the treatments and giving them the time off? I don't so much think the Red Sox did. I think for probably for the first time, I don't think that they're fully 100% accountable for this. You know, ultimately it's Chris Sale's arm. Ultimately, it's it's up to him if he wants to do this procedure. I mean, there's a lot of people that are relying on him. He's the ace of the staff. He what 30 million dollars accounts to their payroll. I just his big new contract kicks in this year. Yep. I, I just I really wish that he just it just felt like he was stubborn. It was almost like he didn't want to believe that he needed to have this surgery. It's just it was almost as if like, you know what, I can either pitch through it or it's not gonna happen to me sort of thing where it did. And he had such a he has such a violent delivery. And he's been that way ever since he's with Chicago. 
And and even people as he was making his way up in the Chicago system even said like this dude is eventually going to need surgery on his arm. He's going to be a, a Tommy John candidate, and, and sure enough. So I don't think the Red Sox mismanaged it. However, the Red Sox should have stepped in and said, look, you, this is what needs to happen. But they were chasing the historic year they had last year. Yeah. Well, the year before, 2018. 2018, correct. Right. But last year when they shut him down in, in August, basically – when he was shut down for the season. No, I, yeah, I, to your point, yeah, I, I think that there's there's accountability, but ultimately it's a, it's it's Chris Sale's arm. You know what I mean? He should have he should have stepped up and said, "This is what's the right thing, not only for me but for my team." Now he's what 31 years old, gonna pitch if we're lucky, All Star break next season if we're lucky. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to agree with Chris. I don't. I'm not gonna blame the Red Sox. In mismanaging the situation, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and knowing he's going to have Tommy John makes you realize that he maybe should have gotten it earlier. But I don't think they mismanaged it. And you know, from the reports I read, I actually read them differently, Chris. I felt like he was seeking surgery, and doctor after doctor after doctor kept telling him he didn't need surgery, and he just kept feeling this feeling discomfort, and eventually that led to you know going under the knife. So it just I'm glad he's getting it because I think he's going to be at peace in a year and a half, two years when he's ready. Because if he didn't, you know, not many big leaguers can continue to pitch to it. The only guy that comes to mind for me is Masahiro Tanaka. I think we're going on four years when he should have got Tommy John, and he has yet to get it. Most guys eventually go into the knife. Well, we had the same situation with David Price a couple of years ago, too, where it looked like oh, he was headed for elbow. it. But right. He, but he's yeah, got, right. he's got uh, adamantium in his elbow, whatever it is. Adamantium? Adamantium. <laughs> Wolverine. One, one great thing about Sale was, though, just the way he handled You could tell it was killing him. Right. To not be able to pitch. I mean, the guy is a gamer. i, I got to give him credit for trying to gut it out trying to do what's best for the team, really. It wasn't necessarily about what was best for him. He could have said, no, nah, I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to get this surgery. But he tried to gut it out for the team, so i got to give him credit for that. He did routinely come back and come back and come back and throw a bullpen. He was throwing this week, if, I'm, if, I, if I recall correctly. I know because of everything going on in the sports world, those types of reports kind of they're not as loud as they usually would be. But he threw, I think, on Monday or something, right? Yeah, and that's, yeah when they, that's when he had the pain, and they decided it was time. And that was yeah, exactly. So to your point, Bill, I mean, the guy did give it his best effort. Whether he wanted surgery, whether he didn't, it's he did give him their all. He's given the Red Sox everything. You know what I find funny about this, though, and it kind of contradicts what I just said, but I'll just go with it. When David Price was having arm issues. Everybody wanted him to have surgery. Half surgery, half surgery. You gotta have surgery. Shut him down. Have surgery. That's because we couldn't stand watching him pitch. But yet Chris <laughs> Sale. But yet Chris Sale actually needs surgery, and everybody is killing him, killing him, killing him now because he's having the surgery. And it's we're doing it because the dollar amount that's attached to him, and it's roughly the same as it was to Price. But to your point, Bill, it's exactly what it is. It's because people like Chris Sale, and no one really cared about David Price. And do you guys think it had something to do with hope? I mean, David Price, last year, if he goes under the knife, it's almost like, okay, we'll keep going. But once Sale 
is done for the year, it's almost like, oh, my God, where do we go from here? Oh, absolutely. We were already hurting the starting pitchers and probably looking at at least one opener through the rotation. Where are they going to turn now? I don't know. I mean, it's 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 they get I mean, they have some time to think about it. But if the season started on time, they would be looking at multiple openers or bringing guys in from, you know, from their couches. Yeah, and we don't know when or even if the season is going to start. I mean, you know, some of the predictions that they're making out there before life resumes back to normal, you know, they're talking could be July or August. If that's the case, we're not going to see a season. And you know what? Whether he pitches or not really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things when you're comparing it to everything that's going on. So Mm -hmm. I want to keep that in perspective. And, you know, maybe that's why we're not hearing the big uh, outlash. Uh, Here I go, losing my words. It's early. Backlash, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're I mean, not... you can outlash. You we... can outlash, too. Why not? <laughs> Maybe that's why we're not hearing the big backlash from the fans is because of everything else that's going along on right now, and right. not to mention Tom Brady leaving town. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. this was kind of way on the back burner. So the Red oh, Sox, definitely. Red Sox kind of skate on this one a little bit. They do, and you know what's funny? It's when David – I mean, when David – when Chris Sale was – reported to have TJ that he was going to for sure have the surgery. The because of Brady leaving, it went back to Mookie Betts. People didn't really even say much about sale. It became we're losing Tom Brady and Mookie Betts in the same year. Like like you said, it it's kinda just because of, you know, the news and the delay in sports and kinda nothing like coming out, people aren't necessarily gravitating to the severity of losing sale. So when the season does resume and we don't know what type of form that's going to be. Uh, you know, we could be looking at a shortened season. Maybe they play more double headers to try to make up some of these games. That's going to put a strain on the pitching staff mm-hmm. that already doesn't have a fourth or a fifth starter right now. Is there anybody out there that you can see that they'll bring in? Are they going to take a flyer on somebody like an, an Aaron Sanchez or some of these other free agents that are still floating around out there? A Clay Buckholz, maybe. Clay Buckholz. I don't know. Before we dive into that, I want to ask you guys one quick question for about the mis- mismanaging of Chris Sale. Do you think how much of this do you put on John Farrell? That year where he had him, he just kept good, pushing him out there, pushing him out there, pushing him out there when it didn't matter to get the 300 Ks. He threw an ungodly amount of innings that year, deep into the season. He was throwing hundreds of pitches deep into the season. How much do you think that you know expedited the process of his elbow giving out? I think it helped. Well, it certainly didn't <laughs> help, but it definitely I, didn't I, help. Like, poor John Farrell, the guy, like he, the guy left his mark, and we're still feeling it today. I think. Yeah, but how many innings are we really talking about? Was it another twenty, twenty-five, thirty? I mean, eventually we would have gotten to this place, this spot anyway, where he was going to need the surgery. Oh, certainly. Every pitcher has a finite amount of bullets that they can throw. I'm just thinking. I I can recall one day the game against Baltimore. It was like in like the cold kind of rain of September or October at the time, it was deep, deep, deep in the season. And he let him go like 135, 140 pitches or whatever it was just to get the 300 Ks. It just, I, when the more and more studies that come out on pitchers helps and elbows and shoulders, it just, man, was that a bad move. Yeah. And Farrell being a former pitcher and pitching coach, you think he would have right. known better. I what don't do you, know. What do you, what do you uh, say about, you know, the, uh, 
the the angle of which his impact uh, landed on the backside of the throwing motion or whatever crazy statement John Farrell probably said at the time. Well, the ball was just coming out of his hand real crisp. Real crisp. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. A, a major league pitcher, once they're warmed up, you know, it's not like Little League where you, you take a kid out so you can save him for the for the second game of the week. You know, once a major league pitcher is warmed up and, and in the groove, I say you let him go as long as he can until he tells you he can't go anymore. No, I mean, there or, are pitchers Or at least until he shows well. you signs that he can't, you know, he starts to get hit or, you know, his velocity goes oh, yeah, down a right. tick or, or, you know, guys are getting uh, good looks, looks at him. He fatigued or whatever. Right, yeah. right. But when a, but, guy's, when a guy's dealing, I say you let him go. I mean, in the old yeah. days, they did used it, to yeah. throw over 300 innings. Now, right, now, and there are guys who do it now, too. Like Scherzer, Verlander, they'll throw 140 pitches right. back-to-back starts. I don't know why I keep hounding on this 140 pitches. I feel like that's a little too high. That that does sound a little am high I, to me. Am I just exaggerating a little bit? We're trying to bring you, you know, that little extra oomph, I guess. 175 <laughs> pitches. It's like a fishing story, you know. The fish gets bigger <laughs> yeah. every time you tell it. We'll do this podcast next year. It'll be he threw 212 pitches in that game. <laughs> we're going to tell the next generation Red Sox fan who sale. That one time when John Farrell let him throw 345 pitches in that game was insane. Can we go back to uh, what are they going to do now with the starting pitching? What are they going to do now with the starting pitching? Well, I mean, they they did sign Colin McHugh. They signed him right before the shutdown happened. Ironically, Colin McHugh has the same injury, the flexor injury that Chris Sale has. Um, But what's been good is that since – the shutdowns happen. There's been no negative news on McHugh. Um, Do we I even know if he's thrown them something? I haven't seen anything on whether he's thrown or not, but I just one is I think just I don't want anybody to like don't just temper the expectations. You know what I mean? Like if if he can even if he can give them half of what he was a couple years back as he tries to ramp it up. I mean it's a good pickup. This is definitely the you know the low risk high reward type of player that they're, that they're looking for. Um, I, I'm not big on the clay Buckholtz piece. I think that kind of, I think that ship has sailed. Uh, I'm good with Buckholtz. I wouldn't mind personally, you know, I, I wrote about Scott Casimir, you know, if that's a low risk high reward, you know, not, you know, big money. I'd go, I'd maybe go down that route, uh, route, road, making up words. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I also I'm still intrigued with the fact of um, of Chris Archer. You know, if you can get him from the Pirates and you, you don't have to give up a lot for him, and and if he can come back to what he was when he was in Tampa Bay, I, I think that'd be a nice shot in the arm that the Red Sox need. Um, mm-hmm. But but if you look but if you look at the moves that Bloom's made, it I don't. I don't see him maybe trading away some assets yet. What's Archer's contract status? For as how much, you know, what's his, what's he getting a year? Nine million this year, eleven yeah. million next year. Yeah. So, so that'll put him close to the luxury tax threshold. Right. They would probably have to give up something on their major league roster in some way to give to clear just a little extra to make it not hurt as much. But I, I, I like you going with this, Chris. I think Chris Archer is. A former, well, he's not necessarily a stud, but he's got a lot in. He seems to have a lot in the tank, and he's he's only 31 years old. And I I, I think if he returns to even 
75, 80% of what he was in Tampa, $9 million, $11 million is not much. You trade no, JBJ. You trade JBJ straight up. It's a wash. Money wise. That's actually a great idea. They have will... they have money to burn over in Pittsburgh. So at this point, they could care less if they take on money. So if you were to put Jackie Bradley with a low A prospect, this one of the 17, 18 year old guys that remember Ben Sherrington is the GM in Pittsburgh. So oh maybe yes, he has good little, point. Maybe he has a little familiar familiarity. Wow, what is going on with this here, guys? <laughs> he is a little familiar with the system, so. If you could attach one of those to, to Jackie Bradley, maybe you got something there, Bill. I like that. All right, send uh, send Heim a memo. And he listens. What's S- up, Heim? Send a tweet. We've got uh, Blake Snell responding to our tweets. Maybe I'm naming him the unofficial friend of the syndicate, Blake yep. Snell. I mean, what, one what, one interaction on Twitter is could be a fluke. Two, you're Two. a fan of the podcast, man. Two, he knows we exist. You know, really quick, if you um, take a look at the rotation, if uh, let's say they went out and they acquired Archer, you can slide him in. Currently, the way that the rotation is constituted, Erod's going to be the opening day starter. Nathan Avaldi, the way he pitched in the spring so far, he's your second. You know, he's your second starter. Then you could slide in Archer three. Martin Perez can go four, and everybody seems to be really high on Ryan Weber. So there could be your five, and you know what? Everything is the way it is, and if they're healthy, I think an Erod, Evaldi, and if Chris Archer gets back to form, they could compete for a wild card spot. I don't think it's too far-fetched. Especially in a shortened season where some weird things can happen. Right. Yeah, because hot and cold streaks, they're going to be exacerbated because there's not going to be that much of a shift. If a team goes on a hot streak, that could – end up being half of your season if you're only playing 80 games or so but it's a big but a shorted, yeah but i think too is like the shortened season let's say that's what they go with with the team with already some question marks and injury the red sox need to be like they got to be spot on they can't have any misses if they want to if they want to be remotely competitive and potentially you know sneak into a playoff spot luckily though the yankees are beat up i don't think toronto has enough pitching Baltimore is not even in the stratosphere, and Tampa Bay right now seems to be the cream of the crop in the AL East. Right, and the whole the whole AL in general is pretty down. So if you're talking about uh, who they'd have to compete with for a wild card, I think if they get a you know a shortened season could really help a guy like Nathan Evaldi. If he could stay healthy and really pitch well, and let's say they get a Chris Archer, you're right. I think that they can compete for that wild card spot, no question. And the other thing is all the people that Bloom signed in the offseason, I think you're just going to have that shuttle back and forth between Pawtucket and Boston. You know, guys are going to come up. If Even if you do have an opener or two, you're going to have guys that are going to be able to go multiple innings, send them back mm-hmm. down, bring somebody else up, and just, just rotate, you know, maybe four or five guys will be that extra guy in the bullpen that's just like a taxi squad back and forth. Right, and you're talking about a guy who came from Tampa. They... The Tampa Bay organization, they really nailed how to – like, they, they wrote the book on how to do this. Well, Bloom did a did a seminar down there for the rest of the organization on how to do it. So mm-hmm. it sounds like it's in their plans. Right. Before we move on, I want to talk I – w- I want to throw out a few names that are free agents. I just want a quick yes or no from you guys, see what you think. 
These are free agents that Bloom could bring in for the season. Irvin Santana. No. How old is he now? I think he's about, yeah, 37. Oh. Can I say maybe? Of course. All right, we we'll make the rules maybe. Here, Chris. We're going to go with maybe for Irvin Santana. Maybe. I, I'm going to go with maybe, and my maybe is hint, is a connect is directly connected to a Chris Archer trade. If that's not in the books, I'm okay with them taking a flyer on, our, on Santana. If they the get only, Archer, you don't need him. The only concern about Santana is that people have said that his arm doesn't look anything like it was, and it's not, it has nothing to do with him being 37. It just looks like his arm is dead. Mm-hmm. You know, he's coming back from an injury. So, but again, if you, if you can throw him 600K and give him an incentive-weighted deal, and he, even if he gives you four starts, I mean, hell, it's four starts versus throwing and schlepping Brian Johnson out there. Right. And, I mean, uh, what's I'm try, I'm try, Edwin Jackson. Is that his name? Edwin Jackson, the pitcher? He's bounced around the entire – Edwin Jackson, yeah, that's Edwin, Yeah, Edwin he, Jackson. He's been kind of that guy for multiple teams over the last – two, three years. A guy, they bring him in mid-season, he gives him a handful of starts, some of them are decent enough to really help the ball club. And I think maybe a guy like Santana can do the same. Here's another name. And I can't believe this guy doesn't have a job, considering what he was just a handful of years ago. Matt Harvey. Well, he's had a lot of arm problems, though, hasn't he? Didn't he have Tommy mm-hmm. John? He, yeah. uh, he, I think he's had it twice over his career. Well, the last surgery he had was that surgery that um telethon had that thoracic or the thoracic yeah surgery. oh yeah. yeah when they have removed and, part of and your it appears or that when yeah and it appears when these guys have this they just they're just a shell of themselves there hasn't been really one starter or any pitcher that's come back that is you know been remotely what they were prior to that surgery oh you're right because this i think if i remember correctly this is the injury that took phil hughes out Phil Hughes is only 33 years old to this day. Got and, it. Uh, Phil Hughes not... is a great follow on Twitter. If you're not he following is actually, Phil he Hughes is. on Twitter, he is a great follow on Twitter. All right, one Very more outspoken. That's I like it. He's been an innings eater the last few years. Jason Vargas. I take him just just for the old Seinfeld where he used to go, Vargas. Do you remember that one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what I think of every time I hear his name. Vargas. You swing me. I want to know. 7-9 last year. He had a 4.51 ERA, 30 games. He pitched 29 starts, 124 strikeouts. 37. Problem, though, do you you care that it's another lefty? Right. It's another lefty. Well, last year Uh, he had four lefties in the rotation. If he's healthy, why not? If he's healthy, why not? I mean, you got to take the arms right now. I don't think you can worry about which which arm they throw with. If you can get a quality pitcher, you got to take them. Right. Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, yeah with, th- with any of these, I'd, I'd say, you know, if the money's right, sure, bring them in. What do you got to lose? Yeah, it's like spaghetti. You throw against the wall. If it sticks, it sticks. It's ready to go. <laughs> I've heard other things that you can throw against the wall if it sticks, but we won't go there because this is a PG-rated <laughs> podcast. Is that also the same thing that can hit the fan in bad times? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So where were we headed? I guess we got off track. <laughs> we were talking about starting pitching. So to continue that, we started dabbling if they would use an opener and how much or how often they'd use one. So if you guys want to talk a little bit about the opener, 
that's definitely going to be a huge topic of conversation for the Red Sox Nation if there's a season uh, this year. Who do you think they'll use as the opener? I, Darwinson Hernandez, if he's not that lethal, I hate saying the Josh Hader role because that guy's so good, but that type of pitcher, if he's not that, I think he could be a dynamite one, like first inning guy, especially against a team with a good lefty at the top of the lineup. Hmm, that's an interesting choice. I was wondering if maybe Matt Barnes might be able to fill that role. He, I mean, Matt Barnes, is he's pretty filthy for one inning. So if you were going against a team that has a very dangerous one, two, three, I don't see why not. And he's thrown multiple innings in the past. So it's not unlikely Matt Barnes gives you an inning and a third, inning two-thirds, maybe even two innings. If I would, I mean, if they're going to use these openers, I, I'd like for them to not just go one inning. I'd like to see them maybe go two. Or three. Um, I mean, we haven't really seen it much here. We, we got to see a little bit at the end of last year. But, um, oh, I, Ryan Weber is, uh, I you know, mentioned before, he's definitely a candidate. Uh, Chris Mata, uh, Matt Hall. I, I really think any one of those guys that they went and claimed during this offseason, there's a few of them that, they don't have a lot of roster flexibility, so you can't just send them up and down. They're going to have to go through waivers. But, but Yeah, that's that Brian stable of Johnson. people that we were talking about that Bloom brought in. The Mazas, the Halls. Mm. Spring. Right, Springer, the kid from Texas. Uh, they have yeah, a few Jeff, of those. Yeah, Springs. So, you know, Ryan... I mean, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying Ryan Weber seems like that perfect candidate to come in after the opener. You know, like he, you know who he reminds me a lot of, and it's kind of hard to tell, is a right-handed Jalen Beeks. Someone who might not be able to get that top of the lineup out, but if you bring him in at the, when you hit the fifth, sixth spot of the lineup, the guy can give you some quality innings and get outs through the middle part of the game. Yeah, I think he's definitely the type of guy you don't want to go more than once through the lineup. Right. He kind of reminds me, he's a very, very poor man's Greg Maddox. When he's on and he can hit his spots... He can be that type of pitcher with the late movement. Mm-hmm. But when he's off, my God, he's going to get hammered. Right. Oh, yeah, big time, especially at Fenway against some of the monster lineups they're going to see. But, I mean, if you have a guy like a Barnes, I was like like you said, Chris, a guy or someone that can come in, give him two innings off the bat, take out the one, two, three, four, five, six of the lineup, let him start at the back end, you could really get some momentum going if he's, you know, on and really protect him that way. You see a lot of pitchers. Uh, since the openers come out, like the splits of using an opener and not using using an opener, are very they're very distinguishable for certain guys. I would say don't you know don't sleep on McHugh. I, you know once he's healthy and he and he can start to get into into games, he's definitely someone that the Red Sox could use after the opener. You know if he gives you three mm-hmm. innings. Oh, that's what Houston did. I, he was I, phenomenal. I agree, and I think that's right in their wheelhouse. That like he's a perfect candidate for this now. You know, and all the data that's out there, how many times, you know, when pitchers start, they go through one time throughout that, uh, the batting order, and then it's not until, like, that second time where pitchers, the, their batting average goes up and things like that. So, you know, to your point, Bill, Weber, I don't want to see him out there. I mean, unless he's, he's having, like, a game and he's going seven deep, that's fine. But two, three is for Weber. Then you can bring in uh, Hernandez. Maybe you bring in Barnes or McHugh patchwork it that way they do have the 26 man roster but Renicky was saying they may not use that 26 spot for a pitcher and it could go to to Lucroy 
who can make the team. Right. Yeah, that's rough because they get the extra roster spot this year, and it seems like the Red Sox are debating keeping a third catcher. Well, you can't. You can only carry 13 pitchers, I believe, on the roster. You can't. Com- you can't comprise the roster however you want. Just load up with pitchers. Well, how about this one then? What, what's your thoughts on on uh, Colton Brewer as being that opener? I really wasn't impressed by anything I saw from him last year. Yeah, me neither. I don't know exactly what he. I mean, I, I see him more as the third guy in an opening game of a bullpen game type of thing, more than a, a full opener or the guy you bring in after the opener. Although he's liked, uh, he's liked our tweets too, so maybe we should be nice to him. I, I think it's his phenomenal girlfriend. man. Yeah, his girlfriend. Plus oh, his, his girlfriend. Mom. Right, his girlfriend yeah. and his mom. Right. Very but, nice uh, mother. Very nice. <laughs> follow us um Renneke's had some really good things though to say about Brewer and, he, and he's thought that he's been much better than what he was last year um Renneke said that like he's been more aggressive in the strike zone where like last year is more on and off so you know maybe also too it's a different philosophy than Alex Cora you know Renneke you know was the obviously was the bench coach last year Cora was the manager maybe Renneke has a different mindset and philosophy where he wants to operate this team this year so i think they got a lot of options it's unfortunately though here in boston we are we're spoiled and we're not accustomed to what's going on and i think a lot of fans are not willing to kind of see how this is going to shake out and we're so quick to judge before it's going to happen yeah great point it's going to work right away if, if they try this and the first couple of times they do it it fails miserably it's it's just going to come raining down on them you know, but if it works, hey, fine. You know, it'll be interesting to see whatever they whatever they do. It's going to be really interesting, and I don't think they're going to have a lot of time to figure it out because if and when the season does resume, I imagine it'll probably be maybe like a two week spring training or something. Pete Abe, Pete Abe actually came out and said that uh, reports are they'd give them up to three or four weeks if they need it. Really? Mm-hmm. Which I I I think that sounds good now. But once the season, like the calendar starts turning to May and June, I think Rob Manfred and company are going to get real antsy. I think you're right, Bill. It's going to end up shrinking in about two weeks. Well, let's hope that that happens sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we let's say, you know, things get really the, the tide turns really, you know, in favor of everyone with this whole Corona thing and sports come back a little bit earlier than expected. Sure. Give the guys three or four weeks. You know, it, it's you want you want a healthy product when they're ready. But that's. I mean, the season would have to be kicking off a lot earlier than the reports I'm hearing for that to work. And maybe they'll let them at least reconvene spring training and workouts and things like that and probably even start the season without any fans in the stands, but it, at least they could be playing. Right. What, one other thing with the uh, with the shortened season is, do you think there's a possibility they could modify the playoffs at all? Maybe I ha- sure hope not. Maybe add I some sure extra teams in like a, like a round-robin kind of thing? I'd say right uh, now nothing awesome. is nothing is off the table. I, I think, I think that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I like the idea. I like the idea of something different. I think if you're going to do it, and again, I know in the grand scheme of things, it's minor versus everything that's going on right now with the, you know, obviously coronavirus. But MLB should get that information out there, start talking about it. I don't know if they can though, because the way the playoffs are is collectively bargained. Right. So, right. But. I, you know, I can't imagine that the players, the players want to play baseball. That's their parent. You, you had Trevor Bauer at a pickup game in Arizona with a bunch of players. 
that he that you know that was on Facebook Live and it was on Twitter. Other players are talking about doing the same thing. These guys want to play, so I think they'd be open thing just to to say hey why don't we just use the season as an experiment you can never use you know for the for the most part these leagues can never really tweak and and get an opportunity to, to play around with their product this is a perfect opportunity for all four sports leagues to do this this year yeah and you mentioned so yeah that- bill i i would be completely fine with a round robin i'd be completely fine with something just dramatically different because it would get the the interest in the sport and, and you mentioned mentioned the cba um, I think another issue is going to be player service time. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something that you know they can they can use as a bargaining chip. And and I don't see why players would be against more teams make more teams making the playoffs because then they get a playoff share that they wouldn't have normally gotten. Right, and owners would love it because they would be able to tap into the TV revenue later into the year and the ticket prices and all the gate and everything like that. I mean, I mean maybe, honestly, like think about the amount of money that the sports losing. You know, you have ticket revenue, you have TV revenue you're losing, you have just the revenue of you and I or any of us going to a Red Sox game and buying the beer and buying the food and maybe some merchandise. If you can think of other ways to create and drum up that interest and get the sport theoretically going again, think outside the box. I mean, let's do it. The only thing I'm not a big fan of, and I didn't really get a chance to jump into this when you initially when you initially said it. I'm not a fan of the double headers, and I don't see that happening. I just don't see the players willing to go ahead and playing a bunch of double headers. Well, it would be like, it would be the day night. It would be separate admission because I don't think the team's going to give up any potential revenue. No, I'm not saying from a revenue perspective. I'm just saying it from the perspective of the players. I don't see the players wanting to do two games a day. I just I don't see it happening. Well, I'm thinking just like on a on a Saturday, you play a yeah. day night double header just to get that extra game into the series. That is how they do it in college, so maybe some of the younger guys would be open to it. Right. Well, college they do Saturdays and Sundays doubleheaders. Yeah, they do the that's what they have the Friday night game and then the two back to back doubleheaders. Right. So with this shortened season, let's say they have a shortened season, and they just go June through the norm. Is it in baseball's best interest to have an All Star break, or do they just name All Stars and move on? They may not even be back until the All Star break, so. I don't. I don't think you can with the number of games that they're going to lose. I don't think you can afford to take a break. One thing. So I'll play co- eight. So let's say they play eighty, hundred games. You just. I'm just thinking of like ways again. Like baseball needs to be interesting, and baseball doesn't let their players be who they are, their personalities. They they restrict so much of what they can do. This unlike the NBA and unlike the other sports. I. I'm hoping that just behind the scenes right now, besides like, hey, what are we going to do about this virus? Like, can what can we do to make this sport come back bigger and better than what it ever was? And you know what, Chris? I love what you're thinking. I love your heads at. The problem is Rob Manfred is the only uh, commissioner in sports who hates his own sport. The guy is <laughs> everything that comes out of his mouth is like acid to the fans ears it's awful and that's why i spoke out of both sides of my mouth right there because i said i hope not and yet that's a good idea because the round robin's like a dynamite idea i think that'd be a lot of fun but what rob manford has been doing is terrible and i don't trust him to do anything right with the sport who would have thought that who would have thought that gary bettman would no longer be like the most hated commissioner in sports 
I don't know. Rob Manfred has just ran away with that title. I had one other idea. Do you think they might extend the season a couple of weeks into October and have the playoffs go later and then the potential for a neutral site World Series? I love that. I love it. I love it. I think you could bring – you want to talk about fanfare? You make it like the Super Bowl. You bring it to a a lot – like a happening city like Miami, somewhere that's just fun. Get all the players involved. You show you bring in guys who aren't in the World Series, just like they do in the Super Bowl, to make the festivities around the game fun. And then you'd centralize it. So you're not talking about flights. You're not talking about two fan bases. You're talking about a mesh in one city. I love that idea. And and that would be like right around Thanksgiving, that oh you could do God. something like that. You know, it, the the thought of fall like this fall, you know, it, from what I'm reading, is just going to be amazing with sports. You talk. I've I've heard of fall masters. You know, football. There's going to be some expedited playoffs for the basketball, for NHL, baseball. I mean, it's going to be real. Like the end of summer into the fall could be really exciting. And I think the way to cap on this is exactly what you're saying, Bill. A neutral site World Series is such a great idea. Thanks, Matt. I love well, it. And you, you got me James Winston jazzed up right here. <laughs> oh, now Chris is going to tell us why it's not going to work. Oh, God. No, so here's, here's my thing on that. You know, um, I would miss watching. I mean, it's not going to happen this year. So, I would. I love watching when the when the Red Sox go to the World Series and knowing they're playing in Boston. It's just a different energy. It's a different atmosphere. It's to me that's playoff baseball. To watch the World Series to with say it's the Dodgers and I'm going to throw a random tail. Say like the Dodgers and the Athletics and they're playing in like St. Louis on a neutral site. Is that exciting? Well, it wouldn't be St. Louis. It would be somewhere warmer. That would be the idea. Or somewhere inside. I didn't want to go with Miami because I hate the green in the stadium. I think that, like, their color mesh is gross. But, but no, I I don't know. I mean. Can the new stadium in Vegas, can that uh, be converted for baseball? The Death Star? Yeah. Who knows? Can you imagine that? I mean, that's a true neutral site. The thing about Miami that would be so much fun, though, is you have such a strong – like Latino presence in the sport, bring it down to Miami where you can have such a live, like, like the crowd would be insane. And I think because of, because of how like monumental it is and how, you know, different it'll be, you'll get people from Boston flying down. You'd get people from St. Louis or New York or LA. You'd get people going to Miami on once in a, a potential once in a lifetime vacation. I don't doubt that. But why reward Florida? They, they have shown that they don't really want baseball. You can't get anybody to go to Tampa Bay. No, you wouldn't do Tampa Bay. You no, got the new you stadium wouldn't do that to the fans. You've got the new well, stadium like, in uh, Arlington. But the, right, well, that could be it. Wherever right that in the is, middle of the country. Wherever the Rangers play now. Yep. Yeah, Globe Life. That's not a bad idea. That's right, right in the middle. It's like kind of more central in the country. You know, it's uh, not so east like Miami would be. Or if you're not going to have the All-Star game, then oh, I think Texas actually. No, it's Cleveland this year. No, no this year's L.A. Cleveland. Cleveland last year. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're it's right. It's Dodger Stadium this year, uh-huh. which is another reason why, back to the the point of the All-Star break, I think they'll push it because that's like when was the last time the All-Star game was in L.A.? Dodger Town. They're going to want to push that like crazy. Well, they could just push it back a year. They could, yeah, definitely. I mean, you're talking about unprecedented times, and there's definitely going to be unprecedented decisions made. I, I think nothing is off the table right now on any of this. 
I just wish they had a better commissioner to to head this. I mean, you, well, Adam Silver, he was he was the first guy to put a halt to his game. I mean, rightfully so, considering all the reports of, you know, cases being caught from NBA players. But still, that guy seems to be on the cutting edge. He's in front of things. I bet you behind the scenes he's thinking of, like, cool things, brackets, tournaments, whatever that they're going to do. And I just think Manfred's going to blow it. I, Adam, I, think, I think you should be the commissioner, Matt. You know, I commission a fantasy baseball league, so maybe that's uh, <laughs> hey, that, credentials. Hey, you know, you've been looking for a new nickname and a new title ever since Brock Holt, you know, went to Milwaukee. That might be it for you. The commish. Well, Matty D, the commish. You guys I can't know, see this, I, but I, I am blushing him, right now. I did call him the Syndertaker, though. That's pretty good. Ooh, ooh. Is that like a wrestling thing? We have the theme yeah. music when he comes in. Can I, can I go rap style? Can I have multiple nicknames? Matty D, a.k.a. the Syndertaker, a.k.a. the Commish. You can have whatever you want, Matt. Oh, I like that. <laughs> All right, guys, one last topic I want to talk about before we get to our special feature that we've got planned is uh, allegedly Major League Baseball has concluded their investigation. They have their findings, and it's already leaked that the Red Sox are vehemently denying it. When are we going to get these findings? When are they going to make the announcement? Are they holding it off because of everything that's going on? I don't know, because they were holding off before all this really caught on. You know, they, they, they continuously dragged their feet into spring training. And even though the coronavirus obviously is like a separate issue that has put pretty much everyone's lives on halt, they were still not really telling anyone when they were going to reveal their findings before. Right. They've kept pushing it out, pushing it out. You know, it's going to be the it's going to be the middle of February and then they push it out to the end of February. Now, here we are in the middle of March. Yeah. I don't know what they have. The one report I saw came from The Athletic. Uh, there was a quote saying that the the Red Sox disagreed with, yeah. with the findings and that the court said that it's okay for them to disagree, but they have their findings. But then a report came out today from Pete Abe that said that that was referring to 2017, not even 2018. Oh, really? Yeah. So they don't even know. As of re- The last thing I read from Pete Abraham uh, was that they're not even sure if those – grumblings was about 2018 so they don't know for sure if they have concluded their investigation on the 2018 uh sign stealing scandal at this point it's like do you even care <laughs> it's just with everything that's happened this great point chris seriously car great is point. gone bets is gone it's nothing to do with the red sox tom brady's gone coronavirus is here like just take the draft picks take it all at this point like what does it even matter it almost you know, feels like this is a chance for MLB just to sweep under the rug and no one's going to say boo. Just but if, they, like, if oh, they are going to do something, let's just let's just find out about it and get it over with. It's, yeah, just just move on and just let you know that way we can. When baseball starts, it should be about baseball, not about a scandal, not about two years ago, three years ago. Let it just be about baseball. That would be in the best interest of the game. Just come out with it on Monday. This is the findings. This is what it is. This is the punishment. And guess what now? We're going to move on. Oh, by the way, if any other team wants to go ahead and do this again, we're going to come down even harder to the point of whatever the penalty is going to be. But now, guys, let's just focus on what's going on in the world. And by the way, we're going to try to play baseball. Chris, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I couldn't I just, agree with you more. I just think this whole season is going to be a huge mulligan for the Red Sox. With the sale thing and Verdugo – replacing bets I, I think they're just it's going to be a pass it's not going to get the mm-hmm. focus that it would have gotten under normal circumstances 
Definitely. Definitely. Because, I mean, there's going to be built-in excuses now, obviously, with everything going on. And on top of that, I think the real fan, like real true baseball fans understood what Bloom was doing. So I think those guys were already going to be a little bit less harsh. And then the pink hatters are going to be, you know, they're not, they're going to be so far away from the team when everything comes back that this 2020 is going to be a mulligan for sure. And the diehards like us are just going to be happy to have this baseball back. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One good thing is we're getting to watch these old games on Nesson and hearing Don Orsillo again. Oh, I'm enjoying that. Don Orsillo was the best. And seeing he all these the guys best. that I totally forgot ever played for the Red Sox. Oh my God! I mean, this is a little, a little, a little preview of what we're gonna get into in a minute. But I was watching Moneyball yesterday. Did you guys realize? Like, I never even remember this. Ricky Henderson was on the Red Sox in 2002. Oh, yes. oh yeah, 2002. I remember that. Yep. yep. I can't believe that it was that like into the, like that recently. Like, I mean, it's now 20, almost 20 years ago, but still, 2002. If you would have asked me when did he play for the Red Sox, I was like, I don't know, like 95. No, 2002. That's wild. You give me an idea for uh, an, uh, another feature segment we could do some sometime is like obscure all-star players who played for the Red Sox at some point in their career, like a Ricky Henderson or an Andre Dawson or somebody like that. I mean, we got to do something say about 14 minutes. <laughs> what was that, Chris? I said Jose Canseco. Yeah. There, there's another one. All right, let's not give away too many. Let's let's save that for the next podcast because Real we already have of... a we already have a feature for this podcast which I want to get into. Before I don't want to. I don't. I, I definitely want to get into that. So I'm just going to make this quick. I okay. do think a shortened season could help out the Red Sox because I think with uh, it's going to be short, so it's going to be a mad dash anyway. So if it's really kind, of, if it's well, this is I guess precursor. If it's really shortened, it's going to be such a mad dash. I think it's going to rely more on offenses than pitching, and that could help the Red Sox. Yeah, good it's possible. Point. Yeah, it's possible. And All teams pitching is going to be hurting. All teams are going to be their pitching really strained out. Okay, we're ready to get it, get it ready to get into our feature. Oh, I'm still so ready. All right, so we were thinking, you know, with everybody home now watching TV, if you're missing baseball, what better to do than watch a baseball movie? So we thought we'd give you a list of our favorite baseball movies. So we're going to do our top five with an honorable mention or two or three. So let's start with number five. Sound good to you guys? Perfect. All right. Chris, why don't you go first? Give us your number five. So my number five would be the Bad News Bears. Which one? Which one? Yeah, which one? <laughs> I'm going to go with the original. That's okay. Honestly, okay. It's, that's my favorite of the whole series. Um, it's – I don't know. I just – Walter Matthau is just, you know, I, I he's just perfect for that role. He's just, I always think of him as the, as the grumpy old man from the grumpy old man movie anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just one of those, like, classic, like, little league comedies. It's just, I don't know. It's not one that I would seek out to go and watch, but when it's on, I'll watch it start to finish. It'll make you laugh. It just gets you excited for baseball and back to little league and i don't know they're just top five okay cool matt my number five uh i mentioned it earlier i watched it last night moneyball i knew that i thought that would be higher on your list i love that movie it has its corniness and it has its 
inaccuracies, but it has the scene with him sitting down with Mark Shapiro talking trade. It has the scene with him going to Fenway and trying to get wooed by John Henry. I, as a guy who just, I mean, I there's nothing more that I would love to see than the hard knocks type show following a GM of baseball. It would be my dream show. I am such a fan of team building and the science behind it and being a, and I'm such a fantasy guy. I love fantasy sports and Moneyball is just that that just enough behind the scenes uh, look, a little peeking behind the curtain that I just I love that movie. You know my problem with that movie is Jonah Hill comes off as the real brains of the operation. Yes, and he's a fake character. Well, he's actually based on Paul DePodesta. Yeah, DePodesta and a couple other than the interns, uh, not interns, his assistants at the time. Right, and it's like uh, Brad Pitt's character. What's his name? Billy Bean. <laughs> Billy Bean, thank you. He's just like going around for the ride, like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, let's try that. Yeah, I, I, like I, I just said, didn't it has... think it painted a very good light for Billy Bean as being this mastermind. It, it was no, so it hard. also makes him look very catty. But I've also heard that's true, though. I've heard, uh, you know, people say that Billy Bean's one of the worst GMs to deal with in all of baseball. Like in terms of just like the cockiness, the swagger. I mean, this guy thought it was accurate to have Brad Pitt play him. Hmm. All right, my number five. Uh, I'm going. Uh, my first three, there's a, there's a definite theme to them, but uh, my number five, I'm a big fan of movie lines. I love to throw out movie lines. So, and this this one has one of the top ten, I think, lines from a movie of all time: "A League of Their Own." Because of the Great line, movie. there's no crying in baseball. I mean, Tom Hanks used it for coronavirus. Yes, he did. He did. <laughs> one of my favorite parts of that movie is when. He throws the glove and hits the kid in the face. Oh my god, so funny! I love that part of the movie. Such a good movie. I like when they this were doing. This is the first, last time you hear it. I like when they were doing the uh, promotional film for the league. You know, within the movie, they were doing the promotional film, and they were like highlighting different the different girls, the good-looking girls, and then there was the second baseman who wasn't particularly good-looking. <laughs> oh, so they take a long-distant shot of her. And, Marla Hoops. There's, there's Marla. Marla Hoops. She's a good player. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie it's a great movie alright I'm going to go to you Matt for your number 4 my number 4 is an all time classic uh, you know, especially, I watched it as a kid I watched it as a teen I've watched it as an adult it hasn't lost any of its fervor it has the lines just like you said Bill and I love this movie forever now, my number 4 <laughs> is The Sandlot good choice good choice it's just so. I mean, it's so classic. Benny the Jet, you know, the dog, the the the, the funny hat that Smalls wears in the beginning, the fisherman's hat, you know. Squints. Squints has my fault. And then you know, no, it's it's is it Squints? No, Squints Paladoris is the kid with the glasses. Smalls yeah, no, the, I'm just throwing out names. Just... Oh yeah, my fault, my fault. But yeah, it's you know, it's also funny about that movie. As a kid, I didn't realize it. It was more as an adult, I noticed it. Dennis Leary is his stepdad. Right. Right. Yeah. And Karen Allen is his mom. Yeah. Who's in Animal House and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I've got this. Uh, I've got this on my list also, uh, but it's a little bit higher. Spoiler alert. Okay. A little, little bit higher for me as well. But the you know you play ball like a girl. I don't think you could get away with saying that now because everybody is so sensitive to anything and everything that's said. Um. <laughs> that's true. It, you know, just the and it was like so many different storylines to go around the major premise of 
you know, the ball getting hit over the fence and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously yeah. the sign ball and everything else. You know what I mean? Just a, just a great movie. Again, another one though, like that's one where I'll seek out to go and watch that movie. It just, it's classic. Eh? I'm looking forward if they end up doing like that remake where you get them all when they're older and things like that. That'd be pretty interesting. That would be cool. Okay, Chris, what, what do you, you guys... have? Uh, what do you have it for? So I, I had Moneyball at number four, but I have, I'll give you a backup one to kind of knock Moneyball aside because we just talked about that. But um, it's kind of stupid, <laughs> this movie, but Mr. 3000, Bernie Mac. I just jumped out of my seat. You're getting me Jameis Winston excited over here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, that's another one. You know what I mean? Like everything in the premise of the whole movie would just like never happen. You know what I mean? Like, but it was, it was just comical. You know what I mean? It just it kept interesting. You know, he only had 200, uh, two, you know, what was it? 2,999 hits he ended up finishing with in the game. He never actually got to, to 3,000. But he was a good was teammate. The, I think it was one of the last movies, though, that he made before he passed away, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, died he really early. shortly after. I can't say I've seen that movie from beginning to end. I was never a big Bernie Mac fan. Oh, I love Bernie Mac. Kings of Comedy was one of my favorite, uh, ep- ep- like, what do you call it, like an event, concert, whatever it was. I'm going to throw that as, like, my honorable mention at number four, but Moneyball for me is, is into, like, Matt's point. I I love the ins and outs of all that stuff. You know, even, like, the movie, not do with baseball, but the movie Draft Day. Right. A lot of people just, uh, terrible movies, terrible movies. No, I enjoyed it because I enjoy that behind-the-scenes stuff, the, you know, the what makes the trade happen, what, like, what are these guys thinking, what makes them, them tick. And, yeah, I would love to see. Baseball should do, like, their version of Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. During like a spring training or something during the season, again, it would just drum up that interest, get people excited. Because there's people like you and I that just love not only just what you see on the field, but what it takes to get to what you see on the field. And that's why I liked Moneyball. Yeah, there was some inaccuracies to it, but you know, Jonah Baseball. Hill was great in the movie. Baseball did it, a version of Hard Knocks. It was called a show, I think. It was on Showtime, and they did the Giants. Well, well. You know, if you go I guess on YouTube, you don't get Showtime. If you guys no, go on HBO, YouTube, yeah. you know, some teams are doing it this season. Like the Red Sox have an all-access show that's okay. The Braves have an all-access show that's phenomenal. It's called Behind the Braves. They have four episodes on YouTube. I highly recommend it. It's very, very good. Yeah, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. All the behind-the-scenes stuff, and especially mic'd up during the games mm-hmm. to hear them talking during the games. And they know. need to do that. They need to do that. That was very successful this spring. The players being mic'd up, being able to hear them in the field, at the plate, the trash talking that they did mm-hmm. about the Astros. Like, that was cool. That was different. You know, a playoff of, like, the XFL. Because, you know, honestly, the XFL was doing it right with that piece. I hate to validate James there. But, like, <laughs> they, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they need to go and take the microphone and throw it in the player's face, like, every single time they go to the sidelines. But they – they were doing something unique and different. Baseball should do that. It would be super interesting. Imagine what it'd be like in the playoffs and hearing some of those guys, you know, just that would be, that's, that's the stuff that the sport needs. Cause sometimes it just, it can be boring to watch baseball. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what but, the uh, blue Jays Rangers game from a few years ago, the playoff game, oh, Batista did oh, the bat been, flip, what that, that would have been, been like if it had been mic'd up. It would have been incredible. That Seeing those guys just jumped into on the field. It was crazy. All right, uh, my number four, uh, I went with Eight Men Out. 
Okay. Which, which is about the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Yep. You know, really painted uh, painted the players in a good light. Made uh, commit uh, Charles Kaminsky, the owner of the White Sox at the time, made him really out to be the villain of that whole thing. And gave us the line, "Say it ain't so, Joe." Say it ain't so, Joe. Yep. All right, moving on. I can, I can tell you that I have actually, honestly, never seen that movie. Really? Yeah. It's well, you got plenty of time on your hands now. You might there you go. Sure there you go. It's got some stars in it. It's got uh, John Cusack, Charlie yeah. Sheen plays the center fielder. Oh, Charlie Sheen loves baseball movies. Yeah. He might show up uh, a little further up on my list too. Ooh. Don't want to give anything away. All right, let's go Spoiler to number. Alert. Let's go to number three. Back to you. Well, you start it with. Well, you start. Ben. Oh, well, me you start. Know, you never All right. start. You, you start. All right. So, I said my uh, my first three kind of had, were along the same vein. Um, they're all older mo- uh, movies about older times in baseball. I'm going with The Natural at number three. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Robert Redford, good, st- uh, great story about a young player who uh, was an up-and-comer pitcher and then gets shot and disappears for a long time and comes back to play when he's older. Turns around uh, the New York Knights. Mm-hmm. That's the, uh, the, the, the movie they bl- he blasted off the lights, right? Yeah, and the lights all spark and everything. He, yeah. he hits a walk-off in the playoffs was an actual playoff game, like 163rd game. Oh, okay, like a play-in game? Right, right. And he hit, yeah. hits the walk-off that hits the lights, and it's, so it's like there's fireworks going off as he's rounding the bases. Some great music in there. I'm, I'm sure you've heard the music they use in all kinds of sports uh, stuff now. All right, I guess you guys haven't seen that movie too much. Let's go <laughs> to your number three. <laughs> Back to you, Matt. What's your number three? My number three, speaking of Charlie Sheen, is Major League. You'll notice uh, a little bit of my list has a commonality throughout is comedy. Baseball, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, has had its fair share of movies that are about baseball, but also pretty funny. And uh, Major Leagues is one of the funniest. I love that movie. I mean, it has all the classic moments in it, has great actors in it. So it's just a phenomenal watch. Anytime I see it on TV, I'm watching Major League. I agree. I actually had that number three myself. Um I love that movie. I, 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 I can watch it. I can watch that in a blizzard. Like, it doesn't need to be any time of year. I love Major League. I, I love the you got no marbles and he's running up <laughs> the first baseline. Um, the dude in the in the outfield reminds me of a, of a certain uh, Twitter follower that we have right now. Um, just oh yeah, yeah. I, I, too high, too far. <laughs> I, I love that movie. It, it's it's awesome. It's funny. It the second one, eh, okay. The, th- the other one they did with the minor league and the buzz and it. the twins. I'm out on that. But that major league, love that movie. That was my number three. So you stole my number three. So I guess I'll go with a backup. And I'm gonna go with one from when I was younger, and. I can't say that I love this movie, but I really, really like this movie, Angels in the Outfield. Oh, it was a great movie. You know, it's... it's that was a, that was a remake, too. That was originally in uh, the 50s or 60s, I think. No kidding. You're talking about the that. one with Jason Gordon-Levitt? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was a remake. And Doc Brown? Yep. You know, just Disney at its finest. You know, I, I don't know. I just I, I thought it was a great movie. Danny Glover uh, was the manager, right? Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Yep. There's uh, that scene where, the scene where they all play in the backyard with all their different jerseys and hats. I always thought that was so cool. All these kids you know, all in the backyard playing with their favorite teams. They're doing on. the, they're doing the, you know, the angel wave and 
you know, it just, eh, it's just a feel-good movie. It is a good feel-good. I agree. I always thought of that as Disney's baseball version of Mighty Ducks. You, know, you had That's the angel call. wave in the outfield, and in the Ducks, you had the quack, quack, quack. Mm-hmm. You know, but, How, still, uh, but still a good movie. But the mighty, the mighty Ducks, though, I think it's a far superior movie, though, to Angels in the Outfield. Right. Well, I'm saying that I thought it was their baseball version of that movie. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Right. All right. So we're on to number two. Number two. Uh, why don't we go with you, Matt? Uh, we mentioned this movie already, A League of Their Own. I love this movie. Uh, I have good memories. I used to watch it with my grandmother, and she loved the movie. The catcher, Dottie, was my favorite. She was so cool. She, when she caught the ball behind her back in front of the press, everything about that movie was awesome. Great lines in it, classic moments. I love Rosie in it. Back that was They had a, a hot I, for, I forgot Rosie was in that. I forgot yeah, Rosie was in that. Such yeah. a good movie. And... I, I, I loved it. The only part, the only thing I hated was Dottie dropped the ball on purpose. I did not like Kit. I thought she was a loud mouth. I was happy when they traded her. And the fact that she dropped the ball on purpose, I was like, shame on you. Shame on you, Dottie. Teach your sister a lesson. She can't be a little brat forever. Chris, what's your, <laughs> little, what's your number two, Chris? <laughs> so, um, my number two is actually. The Sandlot, um, but we already talked about the Sandlot. So what I'll do is, even though it's not my number two, but I'll give you a backup one, just a random movie um, that is cliche, but we should talk about it because it is a Red Sox podcast. But what about Fever Pitch? What was your I thoughts on Pitch. Fever call. Pitch? Good call. I loved it. Yeah. I love that movie. You know, the fact that that movie was, was actually being filmed in that 2004 season and they tied the two together – and you had just that storyline with Jimmy Fallon, and then you drew Barrymore, and then you get them running on the field at the end, and it just... They actually rewrote that on the fly. They did. They did. When, when cool. the Red Sox got down 3-0, and it, you know, it was going to be the Red Sox lose again, I don't know where the story was going to go, but, but then when they came back against the Yankees, they actually rewrote the script to incorporate that in. That's awesome. They were in attendance, I think, uh, when they won in St. Louis. They were. And they yeah. got fit. They, they were. Footage that's... of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember when, when they won and they showed them on the field and it was like, what the heck are Jimmy Fallon and <laughs> Drew Barrymore <laughs> doing on the field jumping Why around? Why the hell? Keith Falk. Yeah. <laughs> no, great. I, I did like that movie. You know, it's funny. I ended up coming with a list of 10. Uh, it didn't make my 10, but I do love that movie. I guess I just love baseball movies. You know, I. I googled baseball movies when you know when we decided we were going to do this just to make sure I didn't miss anything. I was shocked by how many there were, or how many I know, there me are. I know, me too. But you know what's crazy? They don't do, they don't make sports movies anymore. I mean, none of the, nothing is new. Like they don't. All they do now is seems like superhero movies and remakes. There's no yeah. baseball. Yeah, no sports. It's all about movies. the remakes right now. It's a shame. I love these. You get movies. a lot. Of, but you know what though? You get a lot of really good stuff um, with just that behind the scenes content, like Netflix. Netflix did something really good with um, high school quarterbacks. And oh, yeah. Jake Fromm's on that. Yeah. See what I mean? So QB1, that's a great documentary. Absolutely. It is. It is. It's all great. All four seasons are solid. Or three seasons, they're all good. They have fields on there. That's good. So I think a lot of, you know, I'm okay with that. If, if we get more of that, like we talked about, like, I'm all about mm. that. Oh, yeah. You know, if you can get a good baseball movie, throw it in there, sure. But, 
Yeah. We want the I'm, real I'm, stuff. Yeah, I want. I want to. I just want the nuts and bolts of it. Bill, what's your number two? My number two is one we've already talked about. It's Major League. I mean, how yep. can you not like a movie with Bob Euchre and the line, mm-hmm. just a bit outside? That's a classic. Oh, just a bit outside. Ball eight, ball 12. You know, it's just so good. It's so good. Oh, he's the wild at the thing. end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jobu, no, jo- don't drink Jobu's rum. All the classic <laughs> lines in that movie. Amazing. We all love that movie. Who? Let's go around real quick. Who's your favorite character in that movie? Bill, why don't you start? Ooh, well, it's got to be Bob Euchre. Yeah. What was he? Harry Doyle, I think, was the name. Harry Doyle. Yep. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so many like there's so many really good characters like manager. Yep. He was yep. he was funny. Willie Mays um, Hayes. Willie Mays. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I I think they I used a major league clip for one of the tweets from the Sox podcast Twitter recently. Um. My favorite, like, one of my favorite part, like I said, the You Got No Marbles, like, both those guys are hilarious. Um, I don't have a favorite character out of the whole movie. I just think the whole movie's solid. It is a solid movie. I would have to say my favorite character is a tie. Trick question, it's a tie. I like Wild Thing, Charlie Sheen, that role is so funny. We got him from the California Penal League. This is one of my favorite lines in that movie. And what league? Willie Mays California State. Penal? California. And then the Willie Mays. <laughs> Oh, he's so funny. He's like, I run like Hayes and I hit like Mays. He's like, you might run like Hayes, but you hit like, and he says the S word. It's so good. So funny. I love it. Makes that him movie. do 20 push ups every time he pops up. Yeah. Every single time. It's so good. From the very beginning, when he tops out of bed and runs and beats him in the race uh, in his PJs. Well, uh, what's, but who plays that character? Why am I drawing a blank? Blade. What's his name? Wesley Snipes. Great mm-hmm. character. Did you guys uh, remember the show 24? With Kiefer Sutherland. I never watched it. I got to tell you, not one of my favorite shows. All right. Well, useless piece of trivia. The guy who played President Palmer in that was the guy who played Siriano. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and you okay. would never recognize him because he had his head shaved for, you know, for Major yeah. League. Yeah. Yeah. He does all the commercials. And the, and the accent. He does the Allstate commercials. Yeah. Allstate, yeah. That's Allstate. Siriano. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> where, where were we? Two? No, this is we're on our number one. I think. Well, we're no, I, I want to do honor, honorable mentions before we get to number one. Okay. okay. All right. So, what do you have for honorable mentions, Chris? So I have, I have two honorable mentions. Uh, one of the honorable mentions is because I actually in in this movie one of the fields that they used, I got my first hit in playing high school baseball that year on this field. Um, I. The, the movie is just meh, but Summer Catch. Oh, God, that's one of the six. I love that movie. That I, I, love that movie. I was debating putting my top five. What field so, was that? It was it was in Bourne. I thought and I thought that film was that was filmed somewhere in New Jersey. I didn't think no, they actually no, no. filmed on the Cape. They filmed on the Cape, yeah. Chatham, I yeah. think, had some shots. Oh, did they? Yep. And I, I remember when they, had, they were with one of the fields, and I... I I played on the field and it was just, it was just funny cause I actually, it was the first hit of the year I had gotten on that was in that field. And it was my, uh, my Al Bundy moment hit 381 that year, my senior year of uh, <laughs> high school. Um, <laughs> that was about it. Um, my, my second honorable mention, and this is, uh, I, I really, really like this movie. It's not like a top five, but I really, really like the movie, the rookie. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I just, um, is that, uh, Dennis Quaid? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, yep. I, I, the reason why I like it is because I, 
I think when I like when I watched it the first time, you know, I kind of like not saying I can relate to him because I'm not a talented baseball player, but here's a guy that like in the movie that pursued his dream was injured and he got to live his dream out and his family got to see it and it just I don't know I just I I just really just generally like the movie I like the story you know I, I think about a lot of players like that who have all the talent in the world and just injuries stop them from like achieving their dream and being able to kind of see like a success story like that and just seeing these players live out what they pour their heart into for me that's why I I, I really like that movie um, you just the scene where he's warming up the bullpen then he comes out and he pitches and his his family's there and his kids are like, I don't know. I just, to me, I get goosebumps thinking about that. Cause there's so many players that, that they get to play every year for 10, 12 years and never have to worry about getting hurt. And then there's some guys who are just so freaking talented and they, and they just can't get to that moment because an arm injury derails them or what, you know, whatever it is. So that's my two honorable mentions. There's a line in Moneyball uh, last time I was watching it. And the guy said, when he's trying to, uh, convince Billy Bean to sign the major league contract when he was a kid. He says, everyone's told that they're not going to play the game forever, whether it's at 40 or at 18, but everyone gets told. And just everything you're just saying, just that line and everything you're saying about people just not making it as far as they want. Yeah, it's that the, the rookie I forgot. I, w- I didn't put that in my list, but I probably said it's a good movie. Is that all you got for honorable mentions, Chris? Yeah, because, I mean, we I had Mr. 3000 that I bumped up to kind of talk about that a little bit. Those are my those are my honorable mentions. So okay, Matt, one. what do you Matt, what do you got? So I just did a top ten just in case, so I'll just go quick. <laughs> Number six was Summer Catch. I love that movie. And Jessica Beale in the pool as a kid, the best. Number seven, Bench Warmers. Hilarious movie. I've always loved that movie. I love the scene where the kid's pitching and he's, <laughs> he gives the umpire five dollars. He says, I'm twelve. And then they get him it's just I thought that would be so funny. Um, I, I, no, I do enjoy that movie. There's something that I, 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 I can't, we can't say on the podcast right now, but offline. <laughs> yeah, it's fu- It's a funny movie. Uh, they actually made a sequel. I never watched it. I saw it on Netflix, but it's one of those weird ones. Uh, number eight, Rookie of the Year, Rowan Gardner. I mean, it's such a good movie. I'm surprised that yeah. hasn't come out yet. From, from right. one of you guys, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned that. Unless it's, unless it's, it's a classic. One, Chris. I think I, you know, when when my kids were younger, that was right when that movie came out. So I probably seen that one a hundred times. Yeah, the, the funky butt loving when he hits him with the when he hits him nose, the doctor in the nose. It's so good. I love it. Pitcher's got a life. big butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stinky cheddar. And then there's the the confidant. Rosenbagger. 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 And now my number nine, I had Hardball. G Baby, R.I.P. in that movie. Good movie. Keanu Reeves. And my number 10 that I had, uh, 42, the Jackie Robinson movie. has uh, uh, The guy who played Black Panther plays Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Yep. Yep. Uh, but the one I want to talk about real quick, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a documentary. It's called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. I saw that on when I did my Google search. I've never heard of that movie before. In Incredible. You want to if you want to get jazzed up about baseball. If I if I were to tell somebody who's not a baseball fan to watch something to make them excited about baseball, I would tell them to watch that. It's this incredible story of Kurt Russell's dad buying an independent team up in Oregon, and they sold out and they turned it around, and it's just 
loads of fun. Kurt Russell played on that team, and it's just it's an awesome doc. It's on Netflix. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Cool. All right, my honorable mentions. Uh, I I went to a really old one, and seeing we're a Red Sox podcast, this is actually a movie about a Red Sox player. Fear Strikes Out, which is the Jimmy Pearsall story. He played for the Red Sox back in the 50s, so I never saw him play. But um, he had some mental health issues, and uh, Carl Malden played his father, and he just drove him and drove him and drove him. And there's a great scene where um, Tony Perkins, who was in um, Psycho, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. he played Jimmy Pearsall, and he hits an inside-the-park home run, I think. And it was I think it was actually filmed in Fenway. And when he crosses the plate, his father was sitting behind the screen behind home plate, and he ran up to his father, and he just lost it, and he was screaming, is that good enough, Dad? Is that good enough? And he starts to climb the backstop. That actually happened. And that no was, kidding. That was back in the you know back in the 50s when you know mental health issues you know you know they they weren't given the seriousness that that mm-hmm. people give them now. You know they didn't look at it as a disease. They looked at it as just you know he's crazy. You know so right. So really, really good movie. Haven't seen it in years. The one drawback is Tony Perkins had never played baseball in his life, and it shows. Yeah, <laughs> you can always yeah. tell when no. You know, we talk about summer catch. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. definitely never pitched because his mechanics is awful. Uh, my another uh, honorable mention for me is the movie Cobb, which was a story about um, when Ty Cobb was older and a sports yep. writer tried to seek him out and uh, interview him. And there's a great line in there where the, where the writer asks him, if you were playing baseball today, what do you think you would hit? And Cobb says, well, probably about 290. And he goes, really, 290? Uh, but you hit like 360-something in your career. Why would you only hit 290 today? He goes, because I'm 72 effing years old. That's why. <laughs> and Roger Clemens is actually in that movie. No kidding. He has a scene of a pitcher who throws a beanball at Cobb's head. Because they did flashbacks to when Cobb was playing, and uh, Clemens was one of the pitchers uh, pitching against him and threw threw a beanball at his head. Bill, you got to send me a list of these movies. I haven't seen a lot of these. <laughs> I want to see them. Uh, and the last one I had on my list isn't really a baseball movie, but it's got a great baseball scene. Is Naked Gun when Leslie Nielsen is the umpire? <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Naked Gun so so. <laughs> And uh, the scene where they show all the announcers in the booth, and there's like eight of them in the booth. You know, back at the time, you'd have maybe like two or three. And it was supposed to be a spoof at the time, but now, when they have so many of these analysts and everything on TV, every time I see, like, political coverage on election night, and there's like 12 people sitting at a table, yeah. that it reminds me of that scene from The Naked Gun. 2020, where parody's becoming reality. <laughs> you ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. Okay, so we're on to the number one. Uh, I'm going to give mine right now, seeing we've already talked about it a ton, and it's The Sandlot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's set in the 60s, which is a little bit before my time, but it was still similar. Back when I was a kid, I wasn't good enough to play Little League, so all you had was to go to The Sandlot and play with your friends. And if you only had one ball and you lost it down the sewer or something, you were done for the day. So that that movie really kind of resonates with, with me from my younger days. Such a good movie. It really is. It's just... It's so wholesome, and like just the scene when they're watching the fireworks, and there's a montage of them playing. It's just, oh man, I wish kids these days would feel that way about baseball, because you know we love it. The three of us love baseball, but you know it's just not the same. And that, that movie just 
it, it captures just that time of, of, of life. It's just awesome. A more innocent time. Matt, go ahead with your number one. My number one was also mentioned earlier. It's Mr. 3000. Love this Really? Movie. Love mm. this movie. I could watch it over and over and over. T-Rex, Pennebaker, so funny. Bernie Mac, like I said, he's one of my favorites. It's just a good movie. It's a, it's just, it's not too deep. It doesn't get too crazy. It's just funny the whole time, and I just love that movie. And funny enough, T-Rex Pennebaker, the actor who plays him, I think he's, I can't, I can't think of his name. He kind of, he reminds me of Mookie Betts. I've always said that Mookie Betts looks like a smaller T-Rex Pennebaker. All right, Chris, what's yours? So my number one baseball movie would be Rookie of the Year. Uh, I love the just there's so many like great quotes out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the scene where um, Daniel Stern is, locks himself in the uh, cage. <laughs> <laughs> that was right after and Home starts, Alone too, wasn't it? Didn't those uh, movies come yeah. out around the same time? Yeah, yep. Stern Stern was for that time was just a buffoon. He locks himself in there. I, I, how about the part two where he locks himself between the two doors the of two the doors. hotel? <laughs> I've always had a fear of that. Anytime I've gone to a hotel with adjoining doors, I've always thought, I better not lock myself in between these doors. It's just a little help. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, there's so many, like, really, like, just, like, solid lines out of that movie. You know, just, you know, uh, when he's pitching and, like, they do the, um, the hidden ball trick. You know, yep. they, it, I don't know. I just um, float it, Chris. Float it. Float it. Yeah. Float it. You know, just I, I get you know. And I, it was one of those two. Like, growing up, my my sister, she would watch the movie Brink on Disney. Oh, I love like, that movie. Okay, and she would watch it over and over and over again. That was me with Rookie of the Year. I, I could watch it all the time, and even now, I, I could watch it all the time right now. No one mentioned this movie, but have you guys ever seen the movie The Scout with Brendan Fraser? He was, yes, yeah. He's, he's trying to play he's, the Yankees. He's a pitcher, right? He's, he's not a the pitcher, scout. Yeah. He's, he's the pitcher, yeah. And he's, uh, I can't remember the guy who plays the scout. He's a famous actor. But it's a, a movie I haven't seen in a while. It did, it's, that's probably why it didn't make my list. But I remember liking it, so maybe I'll go ahead and watch it. You know, there's, there's actually another movie, too, and I, I was trying to think of it. It was doing our honorable mentions, and I just could not think of it, and now it just came to me. Little Big League. Good movie. When the kid takes over his like grandfather's yep, inheritance, he was doing, he's the yep, he twins was, owner or whatever. Yep. Yep. It's a good movie. There's such such good baseball movies. Is there another sport that just has this many like solid movies? I'm surprised nobody mentioned Field of Dreams or Bull Durham. I'm shocked no one mentioned Bull Durham. Th- those are I, two uh, classic Bull baseball Durham movies. Is, Bull Durham has been on MLB Network quite a bit lately. Mm-hmm. And MLB Network's a good outlet if you for at like eight o'clock they usually do it um, Friday Saturdays where you can catch some of these you know one-off movies like Cobb has been on there quite a bit, which honestly I kind of want to go and I want to watch that just to kind of me too because I remember I the last I was a long time ago the last time I, I saw Cobb, um, you know but similar to you Matt like I have a lot of the the comedy I gravitate towards comedy movies anyway if I'm mm. gonna sit down I'm gonna invest time in a movie it's usually a comedy. I don't do a lot of like the serious movies. There's enough serious stuff going on in the world. I just, the comedy just kind of get, lets you get away from that. But did you guys ever see the movie, like, the perfect, the one about the perfect game with Kevin Costner? Uh, yeah. Called the Beautiful uh, Game. For the love of base, uh, love for of the, the game. Lo- that movie's pretty good. Yeah. I remember when I wa- watched it for the first time. I thought it might be a little bit boring. It wasn't. It was a good movie. And it has John C. Riley as the catcher. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Cue the mechanism. <laughs> it's a good movie. 
There's a lot of good baseball movies, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch a baseball <laughs> movie. I think. Well, we've got plenty of time to do it now, don't we? Yeah, sure do. You, you know what's funny too? I used to have this DVD. I have no idea where I got it. It was a documentary. It followed like four kids down in the Cape. It was about. I think I got it like at a random Cumberland's when I was younger, and I watched it over and over and over. And then I let my friend borrow it, and he lost it. He, <laughs> he lost it on me, and I was so bummed. I used to watch it all the time. It was so cool. It showed them how they'd have to get like, like jobs at the corner store and how they live with the families and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah, Cape League Baseball, if you've ever had the chance to check it out. If you haven't had the chance, check it out because it, mm. it is some great baseball, first of all. Oh, but yeah. Just a tremendous atmosphere. I yeah, baseball that, is purist, I feel like. I hope that we can, that we can get baseball in June because that, <clears throat> that was on my summer to-do list is to go – I wanted to go up there for like a couple of days and just, you know, go to some of the games. Cause you think about like, we're so close to the Cape and yet I never go to that, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I definitely, I'm, I'm hoping that that's not canceled and, and we can like, I'd love to go to that. I, I just, just seeing just like the top, like collegiate talent they're playing out there. These are guys that are going to be MLB players in the future. I just think it'd be so cool to just be part of that. And it's, it, ah, I wish we had baseball. <laughs> Red Sox podcast would be named named later field trip. That sounds good. Hey, that sounds good. You never know. Maybe uh, the friend of this, our uh, unofficial friend of the syndicate, Blake Snell, he can get us hooked up with uh, Cape Cod League. That Did he go cool. to college? I don't know. Either way, he's got pull. He's a Cy Young Award winner. I'm sure he could get hey, a friend of the here. podcast. Look, Blake Snell unofficially said he wants to be a member of the Boston Red Sox. So unofficially, officially unofficially, officially <laughs> the Red Sox podcast is really asking for a friend. If time blue can get him in a Red Sox uniform, he liked the tweet to me. He wants to be a Red Sox. There's your ace right there. Oh, and now might be the time to buy low. He's hurt. Make One condition happen. is he has to change. He can't wear a single digit number as a pitcher. I'm sorry. I just can't accept that. That it's hurts me. It's very weird when pitchers do that. Yeah. That's like a little league thing. I, I just can't see that in the major leagues. It's a me thing. I admit it. All right. So I want to put this out now to our listeners. Um, if we didn't talk about a movie that you liked or if, if you want to give us your comments on movies, check out our Twitter page, our Facebook page, um, bostonsportssyndicate.com and all the other stuff. You know where to find us. Uh, I think we're actually going to put up a poll with our three top picks, seeing we all have different top picks, um, and you'll have a chance to comment on yours. So we want to hear from all of you, too. So please check out our social media, because that should be coming up shortly. Guys, before we wrap it up, do you have any last thoughts? No, I just want to say thank you, guys. Uh, you know, this has been a ton of fun, and, you know, in times of, of such dire craziness outside, it's awesome to be able to come in, talk baseball with your buddies. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm just looking forward to normalcy again. You know, just it seems like every day has been so fluid from just, you know, work and to just everything you see on TV is just dominated by either Tom Brady or the coronavirus. Mm. You know, so being able to kind of break up a little bit of that monotony and, and talk about baseball and even just, you know, we just talked about baseball movies and for the people who are going to listen, hopefully it kind of takes you back to when you were watching those movies and just 
just the happiness and the memories you can kind of equate to whether you're a Sox fan or a baseball fan in general. Um, and it's the last thing I wanted to throw out there that we, um, we didn't get a chance to the last time that we met, but, uh, if you're not following, we have a Twitter page that's devoted to this podcast. It's the Red Sox podcast name later Twitter. And that handle is Red Sox pod underscore BSS. Um, it's brand new. It's been around for about a month now. So check it out. We, uh, very interactive. We try to uh, really just focus on other Red Sox, but just baseball in general. And we've made a friend with Blake Snell. So mm-hmm. um, now we just need him to become friends with the podcast. And he's not the only friend of the podcast. Alex Verdugo's brother is a fan of the podcast. Alex Verdugo's brother. Um, Martin Perez is interacting Martin with Perez, us. Yep. Um, Jacob Farrier from the Brewers has also interacted with us. Um, we've had we've had some interactions. So now we just need one of you guys to come on the podcast <laughs> yeah and that's really cool and we do we do appreciate it. i mean that's it's kind of surreal when you see something like that so yeah, yeah we, we thank all of those guys and full uh, behind the scenes disclosure the um the new twitter account did cause a little bit of a rumbling in the uh executive suite of the syndicate offices um so <laughs> please also follow our regular account as well yes we don't we don't want we're not trying to draw anything away from our regular account we're nope. trying to augment because there's so yeah, much no, content definitely. out there. We're all on the same team. That's, yeah, definitely. We're a syndicate. If you're not following, we're on the you're not following Boston Sports Sin, the regular website, there's a lot of, or the Twitter handle, there's a lot of good stuff. But, I mean, uh, Derek with his Patriots and Celtics content, we have a brand new Red Sox contributor. Um, and James and I collaborated on some XFL, wonderful XFL content. Um, unfortunately, you got five weeks of it. Um but all you guys, Matt with the the City Taker, Bill, Mike with his podcast uh, with the Bruins one. So we got a lot of really good stuff, and we got a new Bruins writer too. Yeah, we were going really strong with the content on the website for a while, but we're gonna have to get creative with some of the things that we're gonna do. Maybe some retrospective, some uh, throwbacks. We'll see where we go with that, but we'll keep it going. The syndicate's hot right now, no denying it. All right, guys, uh, thank you for joining me. I'll say one thing I am looking forward to is actually doing a podcast with both of you guys here in the Syndicate. Rather than doing I know, over I miss Skype. the Syndicate. Soon, once, once the quarantine of life is over, yeah. we'll yeah, be able may- to do that. And maybe we'll have another one of our epic roundtables, too, because that was a lot of fun. That was fun. As was this. I really enjoyed uh, doing this podcast with you guys and uh, talking some baseball movies. So look forward to the next time we get together. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it, guys, and uh, can't wait for baseball. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for joining us. I'm not going to do the SeatGeek thing. I'm not going to do the social media thing. I'm not going to do SeatGeek because there's no games to go to anyway. No games <laughs> or concerts or anything. So thank you all for joining us, and stay safe. Take it easy, everybody. Peace out. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by I Am CDM and Jay Kelly.